Hello and welcome to On the Couch with Dr. Carmen. I am Dr. Carmen. I'm so happy to have you join me on the couch today. We are doing part three of our series titled The Psychology of Money. So I'm so happy that you joined me today. I know this is a tough topic, and that is why we're talking about it to help you to get into the psychology of money. So money doesn't rule you, money doesn't rule your emotions, and you can have a healthy relationship with money. As I said, my name is Dr. Carmen. I'm a licensed psychologist in the state of Florida. I am not a CPA or an accountant. I do not have those credentials. I am not going to be giving you financial planning advice. These are suggestions to help you get a hold of your emotions so that you can get a hold of your money and make it work for you, right? That's what we want. So join me on the couch and let's get into it. So oh, take a deep breath. I'm going to take a little bit of water. I know this is not an easy subject. Trigger warning. Some of you may be triggered by this, even if you've healed from some of your old money hurts, some of your old money habits and trauma or lack of money habits and trauma. Some of this may be triggering for you. Some of this may be bringing back some difficult memories or memories of when you were on the struggle bus, or maybe you're still on the struggle bus and you feel like you're always on the struggle bus and you really, 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 don't want to talk about money or how it makes you feel. So that being said, let's really, really get your favorite drink. I'm drinking water with some uh, high-powered electrolytes in it. Get something that makes you feel good and cozy. Sit on the couch, get comfortable, relax, and let's have an honest discussion. So for part three of this series, for part three, we're going to be talking about talking about money and your emotions with your significant other, your spouse, your partner, um, that person that you are under the same roof with and have commingled, so to speak, your funds, even if you are still keeping separate accounts it's still important to have this discussion with your significant other, your partner, your lover, your spouse, whatever label you designate um, for that. So I am taking the bulk of this from womentalkmoney.org.au um, and it's titled, What's Your Money Story? Okay, that's the title of that article, but you know, we always talk about even more in depth of all the things, um, but it may be hard. Okay, I'm not gonna lie. All right, oh, all right. Let's get into it. Oh, I've been having these conversations with my clients for quite a while now, and with my clients who are in relationships, who are married, um, this comes up quite a lot because y'all know I'm not telling you anything new. Couples a lot of times differ on how they spend, how they save, 
that's one of the areas that you really have to figure out compromise in order to be successful as a couple, as a family, you do need to get into it. So how do you feel about your bank account uh, when it's running low or when your card is declined? Do you feel embarrassed? Do you feel anxious? Um, how do you feel when you make a big purchase for yourself? Do you feel guilty? Do you feel fear, shame, and guilt are common emotional reactions? Yes, they are. They are. These and so many more emotional reactions are common when it comes to money, spending money, saving money, talking about money. And we're, we're going to talk about the areas that you need to dip into when you're getting into it, not getting into a fight, mind you. But when you're having the discussion with your partner, with your husband, with your wife, with your spouse, when you're having those discussions about your dreams as a couple or as a family um, and what you're going to make your money do for you, you got to cover some, some important areas here. According to this article, you, you have to cover your upbringing and attitudes, your beliefs, your current situation, your emotions, your, um, you know, just what makes you feel a certain way about saving or spending money or about budgeting even. That B word keeps coming up again. You need to also be open to the discussion um, and be vulnerable with your partner and if you're on the other side of that couple's equation, you need to give your partner a safe place to land to tell their money story. Um, you can't just expect them to be vulnerable and then you're gonna clap back or slap back or down them, demean them, put them on the spot about their spending. Neither can you, and this happens a lot, clam up, avoid the discussion, um, because your avoidance of the discussion, your unwillingness to open up the account and tell all the truth can increase your partner's anxiety about the state of your finances, about the ability you have to save for a house, to save for vacations, all of those things. So let's talk about your upbringing and attitudes. We talked about this a little bit in the other um episodes uh last week and the previous week about how those attitudes shape the way you think about money now it comes from what you got growing up and it also may affect how you manage your money and your emotional connections to money based on you know i was having this conversation with a couple last week about you know what was your husband's upbringing like were they food food scarce food deprived um were they you know living in impoverished situations where it was always chaotic and hectic and worrying about keeping lights on putting food on the table um what was your upbringing like um to the person that was the primary um focus of the session you know were you in 
a family where there was abundance, where there were no restrictions, where there was no lack? You know, how did that shape your ideas about money and saving and spending? So growing up, here's the specific questions recommended by the article. Ask your spouse, how were finances handled in your family when you were growing up? Um, ask your spouse, were the financial expectations different for men and women in your family? And if they were, what were those differences? Ask your spouse, did your parents treat all of you the same way when money was involved? Um, I have another client that was a significant issue because uh, one of the siblings was heavily into sports and, and the family, the parents were heavily focused on this one sibling's sports ambitions and sports success because scholarships tied to it. So one, all the time was invested in that sibling's sports activities, all the money was invested in that sibling's uh, equipment for those sports activities and travel to those sports activities. Those of you with kids in travel ball, whatever kind of ball, baseball, basketball, soccer, you know what I'm talking about. It can get expensive between the hotels, the equipment, um, the fees involved in each of those organizations in order to support busing them out to these different places if you yourself are not busing them. So what happened to the rest of the siblings? They got the short stick. No time was spent for them or they weren't allowed to have extracurricular activities that would compete with this sibling's extracurricular activities. And those kinds of things really affect how you see money, how you see yourself. If you as a girl were given less priority um, and all the focus was on, you know, the oldest boy or the boys period and their needs and wants and girls are just supposed to save and spend and do all the things around the house that were going to save the family money. So did your parents treat all of you the same way when money was involved? And did you did anyone influence your money story in a positive way? So what would that look like if somebody influenced your money story in a positive way? Maybe um, you saw an aunt or an uncle who knew how to save and grow their money and you were watching them invested in things and learning how to invest, excuse me, from watching them invest. Or maybe you had a single parent who um, was, you know, building, she might've been the first person to own a house in the family. She might've been the first person to get out of the block or the hood. She might've been the first person to have their house bricked and have indoor plumbing. And these are things that have happened um, in other people's money story, especially coming up. You know, it could have been this person going from having a family. Sorry, that is chill. Ooh. Ancestors walking over here. Um, this person may have 
brought the family from meager circumstances such as, you know, kerosene lamps for lighting and uh, gas heating to central air to indoor plumbing. All of these things have happened. Again, same thing with the story. Um, Jay-Z has a story out right now. Actually, it's on DJ Khaled's album called God Did. And it is a story in his verses and Jay-Z's verses about coming up from trying to make money in pharmaceutical sales on the street and then going to becoming legit and doing legalized pharmaceutical sales when selling marijuana became legalized in recent history to um, going from the projects to having homes in multiple locations and traveling to exotic places for those vacations. Um, So that's his money story. That is brought up to show you it can be even in your generation, if you're Gen Z, if you're Gen X, if you're Gen Y, if you're a baby boomer, everybody has a money story. So Jay-Z had people to look up to who happened to be pharmaceutical salespeople on the streets. Um, and he figured out how to turn that entrepreneurial spirit legit. Um, so if you want to check it out, check out God Did um, on DJ Khaled's new album. It is number one on the charts right now. Um, just to get a taste of the money story. There are a lot of money stories in hip hop, so it makes it easy to relate to, but there are other money stories like Damon John, like Russell Simmons, um, like DJ Run from Run DMC, um, tons of stories um, that are from people you know who were able to diversify their money and turn some positive uh, associations with money, positive experiences with money into, well, so-and-so did it, I can do it too. Um, Let's talk about beliefs and how you should discuss that with your partner. Do you believe money to be good or bad? Do you think it's an evil necessity? Now we talked a little bit about, you know, these limiting beliefs that you have to be ruthless, you have to be mean, you have to be cutthroat in order to be rich. So you don't want to be rich because you want to be a good person, but money is neutral. We learned that in last week's episode. Money is neutral. It's what you do with it. It allows you, one, to get out of your circumstances, and two, when you have the ability to invest it in other people's future in scholarships and helping people out when and where you can and to pass it on so do you think that money should be spent or saved this this one is a key one when you are trying to get aligned with your partner and develop your money story together do you believe money should be spent or saved can we compromise if i'm a spender and you're a saver Can we compromise if you're a saver and I'm a spender? What can we do to make that work so that we still reach our joint goals for our family, for our relationship? What would you consider a luxury purchase? 
that's that can differ from person to person, but you need to know because you you can't just say, okay, we'll agree to no um, play purchases or uh, luxury expenditures. And you're thinking in your mind, that might mean uh, spending $100 on a mani-pedi. And your spouse is thinking a luxury purchase would be that new TV with all the digital Fujima watches and that will allow me to play video games on it and watch Sports Center and NFL Live or basketball live in all living color in fine detail. It's $600, but you know, you said I could have a luxury purchase once a month. No, 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 no. This is not what we mean. So we have to be on the same page about what is play money or spending money budgeted per month based on what our goals are financially. So please, please, please do discuss that with your spouse. Do you think money is hard to obtain or easy to obtain? You need to ask that and discuss that with your partner um, because that will determine um, how you save and how you spend. I'll give you another example in another couple. One person in the couple believes that money is to make you feel good. Doesn't really matter how much it costs, especially if it's little bitty bitty things, you know, and it made me feel good in the moment, whether I'm buying it for me or I'm buying it for the kids. It made me feel good and it filled a hole. It filled a void. Um, but then at the end of it all, you realize you've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars or you spent 500, 600, 700 dollars out of your budget that really needed to go to other things. On the flip side, the other person in that couple's equation believes that money is hard to come by. You need to stock up a big nest egg for me to feel comfortable that big nest egg could be $1,000, $5,000, $10,000, but they're going to hold on to that. And if it dips one penny, two pennies, $2, $5 under what they feel like, oh, oh, I could breathe money in the bank, they are going to spaz out. They're going to feel a certain way. They may not want to talk to you. You, they may not want to allow you to dip in the joint account anymore. That's what I'm talking about, how that can influence your overall financial goal. So one person, one person has to find healthier ways to fill the void and really manage the emotions that are coming up that she is incorrectly using money and spending to fill. The other person has to relax on that anxiety about lack. Um, so could we get that to, I don't know, within $100, $500, and you can go up and down once we get to your set point. So we can go up and down 500 or up and down 1,000, and you're not going to get very uncomfortable, irritated, agitated, frustrated with your partner. That's the discussion that you need to have. Um, do you think that money should be your responsibility 
your partner's responsibility or a joint responsibility. Now, this varies from couple to couple, honestly. One person in a relationship told me that I'm not good at that. So I just let him deal with whatever. Another person was like, you know, I want to know all the things and my spouse doesn't always spend the money correctly and we go overdrawn, but they won't let me know what they're bringing in so I can plan better. And I get anxiety because I never know if my spouse is going to be overdrawn and I'm going to have to, um, I'm going to have to pay for that. So hopefully we're back now. I'm sorry. So the other spouse feels like that spouse is always or frequently overdrawn. They have to cover not only the purchase, but the overdrawn fees. And, you know, it can be very anxiety provoking. It can be very frustrating because you never know what your budget's going to be, or if you budgeted for a certain thing and you know what your expenses are. And now all of a sudden, because those fees can add up, it can become like $200 very quickly, plus any late fees, because maybe you didn't catch it fast enough because that spouse is never watching the money to know how much they can or can't spend. Or that spouse is ignoring when the other spouse who is money conscious is saying, you got to play it safe this week. We got a lot coming out with this uh, week's paycheck um, that I know of. You need to tell me what else may be coming out of it before you make any extra decisions. Um, so some couples have it separated where there's a joint account for the joint expenses and each person puts in a certain amount to that end. That also may change depending on what your incomes are individually and who is putting up what, what you've decided as far as whose check goes to what. Um, that's why you have to have this conversation. Who's responsible? Um, are you okay with your spouse managing at all? Is your spouse a good money manager? Are you not a good money manager? It, are you having a lot of anxiety and security about the finances. So you'd rather your spouse take it over. So that's the belief discussion. Let's talk about the current situation. So you need to ask your spouse, especially early on, say you just moved in together or you're planning on moving in together. Ask your partner how they would describe their current financial situation and also describe your current financial situation. Are you happy with your financial situation? Do you know how much money and assets you have? Do you know where that money is and how it is invested? Are you investing? That's another question. Are you investing? Do you know how to invest? Is that a skill you need to learn and develop? Do you know where the money is and how it is invested? Do you know how much debt you have? Again, this is another one that will differ a lot of times in partners. Um, one partner may never look at the account, has never balanced the checkbook, 
has never gone online to check what's going in, what's coming out. They haven't done any of those things and they continue to make purchases without being aware of their monthly, weekly um, expenditures that, you know, like light bills and cable bill and cell phone bill, um, all of those things that come out regularly are never figured into that part. Whereas the other one may have it down to the penny because they don't want any surprises and they want to be able to take some of that extra and put it into savings or put it into investment. Are you happy with the amount of money that you contribute to the household finances? Again, this may vary and you have to come to a mutual agreement. Sometimes that means compromise, especially again, if there are differences in income, whether it is um, the female earning more or one or more uh, of the partners is a higher earner than the other, we have to decide how we're gonna do the expenses or how we're gonna make this work for our family, our, our situation. Lastly, you need to talk to your partner about emotions. Is your partner making money, making more money than you? How do you feel about your partner making more money than you? Um, a lot of times, again, this is more of an issue when the female is the primary breadwinner and, and the male is not. Um, it, it doesn't matter what industry you are in. If your husband is not making as much as you are, it can be an issue ego-wise, especially when you're talking about whether or not they grew up with traditional male money roles, where the male was the provider and set the tone, set what was bought, what was saved, etc. So you need to know how you feel about that. If that is flipped as far as traditional role, if those woman in the equation makes more than the male, you need to know that. If you are in a same-sex relationship, you still need to know, how do I feel if my partner makes more money than me? Um, are you making more money than your partner? How does that make you feel um, to be the primary breadwinner? Are you the sole money earner? How do you feel about that? Um, do you feel empowered to make financial decisions about your household? Do you feel like you have equal access to shared money? And if not, why? Again, this comes up frequently. Um, perhaps you're a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad, and you feel like your spouse doesn't give you the right or allow you to make decisions about how you spend that money. Um, you may want to take trips. Maybe you're, you're more social than your spouse. So you may want to take trips with friends or join a club that is costly because that is where you interact with your friends since you're home most of the time and your spouse may be traveling. Or um, it could be that your spouse only allows you so much allowance and 
um, makes you feel really bad when there are exceptions to that rule. You know, maybe there's something that comes up for you or for the kids and it's more money than you usually allow for the household expenses and for your personal expenses. These are things to talk about if you're not the primary breadwinner or if you are not the breadwinner at all. So how much personal uh, income or how much allowance do I have so that I could either build a savings with it or purchase what I want with it, given our lifestyle and our financial status? You know, do I have that allowance? Um, what's the leeway? Again, can it be plus or minus $100? Are we talking plus or minus $50? How does that work with our budget? So that makes me feel like I have some freedom and decision-making policy. Um, let's see, what else here? Are you happy with the amount of input you have in financial decisions? Again, especially when you are not the breadwinner, um, where you are not bringing income into the house, are you happy with the input of your financial decisions? It is often frustrating to that partner not to have some say so or to be able to speak up and say, well, I don't know, let's say I had to switch hairdressers and now the fees are a lot higher. Can we talk about that? Can we talk about making room in the budget for that? Maybe I won't go as often as I used to, but... I will still be allowed to do that because that's important to me. It makes me feel good. It's not like I'm going to change my hair every week and it's going to be a weekly expense, but maybe there was a new expense that came up, say for the household family budget where one or two of the kids need braces or they've gone into high school. So now we've got all these senior dances. Oh no, I'm sorry. Scratch that. We have middle school dances now. So you got middle school dances now, senior dances, different um, dress, dress attire for these dances, special pictures, senior pictures, senior whatever whole package with pictures and et cetera, with fees for the dances, for celebrations and dinners. Do you allow space for that person that's not bringing the income to bring up these expenditures due to special circumstances. So I'm just giving you examples of kinds of conversations you can have around the emotions of money and your current situation. Uh, let's see, let's make sure I didn't miss anything with the emotions. Uh, we talked about equal access to the money. Do you feel like you have to have, ask permission to spend the money? And how does that make you feel? Whoever is on that end of the equation and then put yourself in the other person's shoes. So if it makes them feel uh, controlled, if it makes them feel shameful, always having to ask, you know, feel like they are like a child asking for money, asking for an allowance, how would you feel in that situation and how could you make it work better? Um, let's see, black, 
last question under emotions, are you afraid to have conversations with your partner about money? How do you, how does that affect you and has it impacted your self-esteem? Um, again, another client perspective, they are afraid because their spouse tends to yell and deflect and blame and shame when this person tries to bring up the money discussion, the, the budgeting discussion, you know, discussions about expenses and covering expenses and the need for, you know, more than one person earning a certain amount in the household. You know, it could be that one spouse is working two jobs to make ends meet and the other spouse is staying at a minimum wage job instead of looking for a side hustle plus the minimum wage job to make the financial burden easier in the family. But you're not going to bring that up. You're going to have a lot more anxiety about the finances and getting bills paid. You might be working overtime just to make sure it's covered and then feeling tense and stressed out when you come home if that spouse is also not contributing much to the running of the household, especially for, you know, helping with the kids, helping with dinner, meals, shopping, et cetera, where you could make up for being a lower earner by doing things that the spouse who's working overtime hours and extra job is too tired to do. So that's the way that can play out and why you need to have the discussion, why it's worth bringing up the subject matter and sticking it out through the uncomfortableness of the discussion. The more you do it, the easier it gets. So a good starting point for that is um, having a conversation about your feelings about money. Again, keeping in mind these uh, four topic areas. You know, so you can share and understand uh, what money means to each of you and think about your individual relationships with money and how it makes you feel and how that affects your relationship with each other and your ability to. Uh, manage your individual and family goals. Um, the author of this article also suggests that you share your emotional relationship with money with your partner, including messages about money that you recall from your childhood. Again, going through those four topic areas in those questions um, and how that affects you. Uh, once you've shared your stories, your money stories, Give your partner an opportunity to share their story in history with money. Your money and your personality um, is the next step. You need to discuss your understanding of your own personality, and each person will bring up their own financial style and relationship to money. So sometimes there are styles that will align and and sometimes they will be different. Um, each person will bring their own financial style to a relationship. The, the beauty of it, the making it work part is coming to a compromise between those two styles that makes it work for you as a couple and as a family.
but you can't come to the compromise if you're not having the discussion. So open up the discussion. You could start with, would you say you're more of a saver or a spender? I mean, those are kind of typical first date questions or, you know, dating relationship questions for probably the first 30, 60, 90 days. You should be getting down to the nitty gritty about this, about morals, about values, about goals in life, so that you can see whether or not your goals align, your priorities align. So this is more of that discussion. Um, you can ask your spouse, when did you get your first credit card instead of what's your credit rating? You can ask, I really hate having credit card debt. How do you feel about it? Instead of how much debt are you in? Um, you see how it's a different discussion that invites more opportunity to learn and be vulnerable and think about how you can both help each other with your financial goals for saving, for investing, for a lot of things. So these are some suggestions based on that article. And I'm hoping that, you know, coloring it with some real life experiences, real struggles can help you see how this might play out, how it affects your relationship, how you can improve your relationship if you address some of these. Um, and how taking the time to have the discussion to really be honest with yourself and be honest with your spouse can help you to have a healthier relationship with money as an individual and as a couple. So that is part three of the psychology of money. I think it's part three. Uh, let me double check. Yes, part three of the psychology of money. Next week will be the final and fourth chapter of the psychology of money. And we will talk about the B word, budget. But you know, go take a little different take on that B word and look at the psychology of the B. All right. I will see you next time on the couch. We're here every Wednesday. Um, usually I drop it by Wednesday morning, if not Wednesday evening, but look for me on Wednesdays. If you want to get notified exactly when it drops, subscribe, subscribe to me on podcast, subscribe to me on Anchor FM, subscribe to me on Spotify and YouTube. Um, we are on the couch with Dr. Carmen, K-A-R-M-O-N, um, and I will put those links in the liner. You can catch me everywhere. If you find value, please rate and um, review me on those channels. Also hashtag me and share me with your friends. I appreciate you spreading the word. This is the free 99 uh, because I can't have all of you on the couch at once. Well, no. Technically, you were on the couch today. All of you, all thousands of you were on the couch today, but I need you to represent and be counted. So tag hashtag Dr. K Mind Body, D-R-K Mind Body. And let me know what you think about the show, what highlights were for you, what really resonated with you. And also let me know what else you would like me to 
Recover on the couch with Dr. Carmen. Again, we share lifestyle hacks. We share um, mind-body health hacks, whether it is the emotional or the physical, you're going to get it right here. Um, if you're in that 28 to 38, 40 bracket, I'm here for you. Um, and um, let me know. Let me know if you're male, female, how you like to be addressed. Um, I want to know a little bit more about my demographic. What's your struggle? What can I help you with? And I'll see you later. And until then, be well. And this is Dr. Carmen on the couch with you until next week.